Hey, what's up, tribe? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. In this episode, I chat with Connor Wilde, who is a movement coach based in Launceston, Tasmania, where we recorded this podcast. Throughout the conversation, we delve into his background in parkour, circus, and acrobatics, the amazing capacity of the human body to learn and recover from injuries, as well as the importance of generalization and taking a broader approach to the principles of movement. This week's episode is brought to you by TFC Courses. After touring our feet balance and play workshop across Australia over the past 12 months, we wanted to turn it into a digital resource so that anyone who couldn't make it along to our in-person events could learn and play from home. If you've already completed the Foot Collective's workshop 1.0, there is still plenty of value in our updated version. With more than three hours of content covering crucial theory on feet and footwear, balance, play, breath and ground living, plus simple ways to assess your function and restore your feet and lower bodies from the ground up. This course is designed for people of all ages and movement abilities, and we've even included some bonus training videos where James takes you through some guided routines to work on your feet, ankles, knees, and hips. The course is just $42, and if you use the discount code 10OFF at checkout, you can save 10%. To check it out and use that code, head to the link in our show notes. All right, so Connor, thanks so much for coming on the potty. Pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah. So we uh, we connected through Instagram originally. Um, I actually saw you through um, Hannah Sky, I think is her last name, Movement with Hannah on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And she was doing some of your stuff. And I was like, that looks cool. And so I followed you and I said, that looks really cool. Um, and then we just had, a, I think, a bit of a chat. And then I mentioned I was coming down to Hobart for a seminar, which yeah, you yeah. came along to. Yeah, which was awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Um, it was great to have you along and you even drove down from Launceston for it and now we're both in Launceston and we've just had a, a nice little movement session on the lawn at our Airbnb, which was really cool. Like I always love learning from people who know a lot more about me in different realms of movement and um, from what I've seen both in that little session there and on your Instagram and at the seminar as well, you've got a, a pretty incredible um, movement vocabulary. Thank you. So... I thought that would be a good place to start, just telling us a bit about your background and journey with movement and sort of what you're doing with it now and, yeah, I guess what you do and why you do it, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. Um, was well, I was always a super active kid, like running, jumping, climbing trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was probably around 14, I saw a documentary on parkour and just felt like someone had defined what I'd been doing my whole life and was like, yeah, awesome, great. <laughs> I'm going to start like training that deliberately as opposed to just kind of doing that out of habit as play. So so I started, I found a group in London um, called Parkour Generations and they had a Friday night class and I was taking the train up to London because I actually lived like 40 minutes outside of London and I was just like, yeah, getting super psyched on training and having a group of people to explore this form of movement with um and was doing that for like three or four years and got really in deep and was training most days and then started getting knee pain and that really freaked me out um my dad had arthritis in his knees like my whole childhood um and then ended up getting both knees replaced eventually um he'd been super into marathon running and has quite bow legs so Mm. just kind of not a great combo but also it was basically what had happened to me is that I was training super hard and doing a lot of strength training 
but not doing any kind of stretching release work yeah so I was, I was essentially just getting pain from being too tight um but i didn't know that at the time like it's like 16 17 and freaking out that i wouldn't be able to move into my 20s so i backed away um and just so happened to meet a guy who was really into juggling and diablo um and he one day i just remember he was he came up to me and was like juggling club tomorrow night you're coming <laughs> and i was like okay and i went and had a really good time and then ended up getting super into juggling i'm really nerding out on that and then that kind of gave me this segue into circus um mm. so i went from doing parkour style movement into circus um and I, I went and auditioned for a circus degree. Like I, I was 18 and was kind of like, what am I doing next with my life? Uh, and I was looking at degrees and nothing was really speaking to me. And then I discovered that you could study circus at degree level and was like, why not try? <laughs> so I went to the audition and I got in. Um, I was accepted as a juggler initially. Um, and then I got there and saw people doing all these incredible things. Um, and I saw this discipline, Chinese pole, and I was like, wow, I want to do that. Chinese pole. So Chinese pole is like, um, it's a six meter vertical pole right. covered in rubber. Okay. And essentially you, it's, it's not dissimilar to pole dancing, but you need to wear a lot of clothes because the rubber, obviously there's a lot of friction there. So it will like... <laughs> a lot of friction yeah so it will like burn your skin to shreds if you're not wearing like three layers right yeah so it's um stuff like human flags then doing like twists and somersaults and drops um and then like it's also integrates really well with acrobatics and floor movement because it's rigged down to the floor like it's guide down kind of like mm. a central pole in a tent mm -hmm. um so I saw this and was like, I really, I really want to do this because it kind of has a bit of a parkour flavor. Mm. Um, and the thing that really got me hooked on it, I tried and like, essentially you can climb to the top, let go. And then about a meter before the bottom, you just squeeze and you'll stop. So you can fall like free fall six meters and then like, <gasps> like what? a couple of centimeters above the floor. And oh. that feeling <laughs> just got me hooked. And I went to the head of acrobatics and was like, this is my thing. What do I need to do to not be a juggler anymore? <laughs> and he was like, okay, you've got, got a couple of months. So like, um, I think there were like two or three months until the end of time. He's like, go and train with the guys who are doing it as their specialty and we'll review after Christmas, see how you're going. So I was there like every day, <laughs> um, just training. And at the, and luckily I had the carryover strength from parkour. Um, and my knees had stopped hurting, so my body was feeling really good. Um, did your knee? Do you think your knees stopped hurting because you'd started doing more flexibility work as part of circus? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we had regular flexibility classes. Mm -hmm. So I started stretching more, um, and it's really interesting because one of the other things I was interested in doing was teeterboard, um, which is like a seesaw when you jump on oh, yeah. either end of it and no. do somersaults. Yeah. Um, and I had slightly bow, bow legs as a child. Um, and I was like, I, I want to fix this, not knowing that bow-leggedness was not something that you fixed, apart from, for me, it was because I'd copied my dad and the way that he walked. So it ended up kind of walking in a really similar way to him, but f 
my physiology wasn't that I had bow legs. Mm. It was just that my muscles had tightened in that way. It's the behavioral thing. Isn't yes. that interesting? Yeah. So I stretched a bunch and, and got to the point where my legs were straight because I was really worried about jumping like three, four meters in the air and then coming back on the end of this board and it the, the impact just stopping at my knee because it wasn't a straight line. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did a bunch of stretching. Um, I wasn't super, super flexible, but it, that thing of like taking the time to kind of understand a bit more about body care and about flexibility and range as well as strength yeah um and it's fine i think that stuff was there in parkour but i was too excited about the jumping off things <laughs> and and the skills mm-hmm. um and i feel like when you have that scare it's that classic thing like injury is a really good teacher um so being injured just gave me that path into um looking after myself a bit better yeah yeah, a lot of people find that. And so you were going so you were doing the Chinese pole. Funnily enough, I think now that you've mentioned it, I think I've seen something similar uh, but it was Indian people doing it. Yeah, is it, Malacan. Is it the same kind of thing, Indian it's pole or similar so it is that classic thing like if you get human bodies to interact with a similar object they will come up with similar vocabulary yeah that's cool but it's very different like culturally malakam is very different to chinese pole and then right. chinese pole has had that thing it's had a, a whole circus history um mostly in china and then has been taken into um european circus mm. um and then particularly the french circus schools really put a different spin on it and made it much more fluid um, and much more movement-based and less trick-based. Um, so it got this real kind of, uh, like, yeah, f- fluid quality um, and, and almost, almost kind of dance-based, lots of spirals, lots of arcs, l- a lot less kind of climb up, get into a position, present, change position present do a somersault present like it was much more um organic and human and and soft and um yeah that that was part of what drew me to it that there's a grace to it but there's also like a force to it like it's quite a a brutal discipline in many ways because like if you get stuff wrong it will literally shred your skin yeah right yeah so it's a, a quick teacher yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um so yeah i i changed tack became an acrobat specialized in chinese pole spent three years studying um and then i've been touring for the last over 10 years now basically so as a performer hey as a performer yeah, yeah. so circus shows mainly um bits of dance bits of opera bits of theater but primarily in circus companies mm-hmm. um and yeah, touring for 10 years, and that was amazing. Um, but it's been really interesting because it's it teaches you how to push through really well, but not necessarily how to listen to your body very well. Yeah. Um, and I really found that, like, I, I have a super stubborn streak and really just wanted, like, never ever to miss a show, to be that really reliable person who's just always there it's got the skills they're ready um so i i've missed one show in 10 years whoa that whoa. wasn't there wasn't pre-planned so there's like i've missed a show for a wedding and i've missed a show when my son was born like, like i took leave um before my son was born so like there are shows that i pre-planned to miss but 
terms of shows that I've actually been out of. I was so sick that I couldn't actually get out of bed one time, and that, right. that's the only show that I missed. <laughs> that is impressive. Ten years. And is that does that include... I guess pushing through some pain and injury stuff or did you just keep such oh, good care of your body throughout no. the time? <laughs> Look, to be honest, retrospectively, that was a really stupid thing to do. Right. Like I tore my labrum in Japan on a tour and... Doing what? Doing Chinese pop. Ch- oh, right, right. And I just modified my act and kept performing on it. <laughs> like eight wow. shows a week. Like And, and looking back... Successfully? Like, was it, was yeah, it just yeah. as good? Well, so I've never needed surgery. I had an amazing physio out there and she was like treating me after every show and just gave me this massive rehab program. So mm. I was coming in 40 minutes to an hour early for every show to just look after my body right. before warming up any of the skills that were in the show. So it's like just there with, with a TheraBand, just like... Oh, it was a shoulder, yeah, shoulder label tear. Shoulder label tear, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, oh, Chinese Pulse is super hard on the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow! I'm gonna to have to look up Chinese pole now. I, when I watched that, the I can't remember what you said its name was, but the with the Indian guys doing it on the pole, I was like, that is some of the craziest stuff I've ever, I've yeah, ever seen. They're amazing. It's incredible. It's such a so there's it's I do find it really cool just how many different ways. Like circus is a really good example of it, but how many different ways the human body can move with with all these different implements and instruments or just by itself, it's it's really ridiculous, hey, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's incredible. And um, and having you would have spent so much time with all these different people with different specialties in that circus and Absolutely. Is it a certain type of person like obviously I guess it's performer type person, but like to to get into that kind of realm. That's the really wonderful and, and interesting thing about circus is it that it's very diverse. Um, so the type of person that becomes a juggler is quite different to the type mm. of person that becomes a contortionist, say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the type of person that is drawn to aerial is really different to acrobat. And then each different kind of heading has a bunch of different sub-disciplines. And then everyone has space to be whoever they are within that because circus has this thing of like if you want to work in corpos just doing like five minute act it's the same act every time and you just like go in do it for the money leave you can do that if you want to be in a full length two hour show that's super artistic you can do that if you want to perform in a big top with like sequins and sawdust you can do that so there's there's all these different ways to express yourself so it's a very diverse community mm. um with a lots lots of different types of people yeah yeah and it's it seems circus seems like one of those things like kind of like gymnastics where you learn so many different ways of moving and so many different sort of ways to coordinate your body and all of these things so it seems like it could be a really cool thing for kids to do like to to like would you Put your kid, um, your son, through circus, or you know, would that be maybe your second choice? Or <laughs> yeah, totally. I think actually, the thing I love about circus is that it's non-competitive. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. So, like, you you can tap into competitiveness. Like, I there was a guy that I was at school with who we we totally like pushed each other, and and we got really good because there was that healthy competition. But it wasn't like a a sport where it's like we were graded and we were told that like you are the winner and you are the loser Mm. it was just like 
that playful like oh you can do that i can do that too yeah you know and i think that a bit more can... play based exactly um but i imagine you still can work pretty hard <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah so yeah it's that thing of like you can bring competition to it if you want to but it's not it's almost more competing against yourself in a sense like yeah. what, what to you know how can i do this or you know yeah. how far can i get this and then obviously the level, it's not really competition, but I suppose if you're performing, then there's that added pressure of working to a degree where you can perform to a certain level. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's, that's the thing that's really interesting is that you, you, de- you do need to be good enough that you can do the skills on stage, kind of no matter how you're feeling, mm. um, but also within a five minute window give or take a bit it depends on the show but like often it's like this is your act you've got this amount of time if you want to do these five skills you're super proud of you need to be able to do each skill with like around all the other skills with a bunch of other stuff to keep it interesting within this five minute time period yeah so it's not just like learn the skill isolate it it's it's really integrate it and chances are you'll have been on stage for 40 minutes already and have danced and tumbled and lifted a bunch of other people. So it's not just like, or that um, that's the type of show that I was mostly in. I was really into ensemble acrobatics and being a generalist acrobat who could do lots of different things. And I really loved being on stage as much as I could. It's totally possible to just do your act, but even so you need to be able to do a whole act as opposed to a couple of skills yeah yeah well, I mean I've always loved like one of my favorite things to do is go and watch Cirque du Soleil because it's just incredible the the display of human movement you can see in those things and now I wish I'd seen you in the circus but <laughs> I guess you know it's still possible down the line or is it are you thinking of potentially uh, going back on tour or probably not on tour um Look, the, the way I like to think of it is that nothing's impossible. Um, I love performing. It's really fun. Um, the nature of having a family means that touring is a whole different level of mobilization. Before, it's like you pack your suitcase, you get in the plane, you're good. Yeah. Um, and already, I think COVID has meant that traveling is that extra stress and thought and like is this safe is this a good idea will i be able to get back into the country will i end up in a lockdown um so there's that to consider and then that with a one-year-old um Mm. and then the other thing is like my wife's a performer too so would one of us go and the other one look after the kid would we all go but one of us perform and the other one Mm. not would we both perform and take someone with it just becomes a much bigger process so i think we're both keen to perform um We've got a project coming up here in Launceston that's, um, it's it's a kid's show and I think it's just going to be like a really fun kind of way to kind of dip our toe back into the performing world because we've, we totally, since um, the little one's been born, we just took a step back and have been kind of focusing on parenting and also we've both started new businesses because the performance work we were doing just wasn't possible. Yeah. Well... Anyone in Launceston, you've got a, a circus show <laughs> coming up. Um, I wanted to touch on something you said at the start about how, you know, you grew up climbing trees and um, doing kid things, basically. And then yeah. you saw parkour and you were like, oh, it looks like there's a whole community of people doing the thing that I just do naturally. And I, find, I found that really interesting 
um, through, I guess, watching parkour videos. And then I also watched a, a video, uh, which is like comparing parkour parkourists. Is that the term? Parkour people? Uh, <laughs> tresser. Tresser. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Cause it started in the French scene. Um, yeah. so yeah, like a tresser versus, uh, a macaque monkey, I think it was. Yeah, um, right. and the similarities between the movements. Yeah. Um, and obviously humans have a lot more complex movements, but I guess it really made it clear to me that parkour is really it's just getting from a like I guess isn't in its purest form now it's I think a lot more acrobatic and includes a lot of flips and stuff but yeah. a lot of it's just to do with getting from A to B as efficiently as possible wherever that A to B is yeah. and so that really humans have been doing that for millennia and that's been a big part of our survival and when you look at say like Erwin Lacour who created MoveNet you've uh, you've across that Nat. yeah I'd- don't know loads about it, but I'm aware of it. So he was a, a parkour guy originally too, as far as I understand, or was in that scene, I think maybe the original scene in France. Yeah. Um, and he had a mentor who was right into all of that, scaling buildings and, and um, you know, jumping <laughs> over things and all of that kind of stuff. But um, he, Erwan then also spent a lot of time in nature and he spent a a lot of time and a lot of effort, I think, just mapping out what um, natural human movements really are, like what is natural movement. And so he's got his big book, which I do have here, which I can show you. But the cool part is, is so much of it is exactly what you'd see in parkour, like natural movement and parkour. Parkour just maybe takes it a bit more extreme. But the things or the movement patterns that humans have to do to, uh, I guess, navigate a natural environment are kind of similar to what you do in a an urban environment with parkour, except I guess urban ones are a bit more concrete and linear. Yeah. Um, but similar kind of patterns. And it's just cool that I think maybe parkour is that more extent until maybe, until maybe natural movement becomes its own thing, which it kind of is now. Like not as many people know it, um, as parkour, like parkour is more well known. Yeah. But it's cool that there is a community of people out there doing those movements that kids sort of want to do naturally, running, jumping, climbing, yep. you know, and flipping now, which is awesome too. Yeah. Um But do you still like do you still train a bit of parkour or do you do you ever sort of find yourself wanting to do it, or do you ever just go out in the woods and just like <laughs> jump around on stuff? Um super interesting because i think like i will balance on things and play with kind of balancing on stuff and sometimes i'll have a bit of a jump around and if i'm say walking around with my son like i'll often jump up on a wall or a log and kind of take him a bit more of an exciting way um to wherever we're going Mm -hmm. um but i i wouldn't necessarily call that training parkour yeah like i I find it really interesting, these kind of terms and definitions, um, because the the more movement that I've studied, the more bleed I see between all of the different disciplines. And I think you can decide that you do parkour or do circus or do move nat or whatever it is. Yeah. Or like more and more, I'm like, 
I don't know what title to give myself. I'm I'm a mover. Yeah. But actually, moving is inherent to all things that live. So yeah. It's just something we do, and, yeah. and it's like. I, I know it's that thing of like, yeah, I, I move. I move because if I don't move, I, I don't feel good. And sometimes moving is rolling out my feet in the morning. And sometimes moving is going and doing acrobatics in a park. And sometimes moving is standing on my head. And sometimes <clears> moving <throat> is throwing my son in the air. And it's like, it's different every day. And I don't necessarily, like, I don't even necessarily call what I do circus anymore. Like, I just kind of. I, yeah, I, I've I've yeah. moved away from definitions because I feel like I don't resonate hard enough with any single discipline to be like it is that. Yeah, I I really like that, and it's something I talk about a lot in terms of the movement nutrition sort of perspective that I really like from Katie Bowman, and I guess the from what I've experienced with people and clients and and um, myself. I suppose to a degree, but not so much because I've, I've always dabbled in lots of different types of movements and sports and just been really interested in learning new skills and have never really been very good at any of them, but like decent at all of them kind of thing Yeah, and can just pick things up well. And so I think, I think that's what maybe people miss out on when they pigeonhole themselves into like, I'm a runner, I'm a yogi, I'm a Pilates person. <laughs> whatever that is um, or I'm a strength and conditioning person I'm a, I'm a weightlifter and then they because there is that there's that narrative of like oh if you want to be good at something you just got to do that thing um, you know you just got to do more of that and yeah, there, but- there's an element of that but there's also you miss out on so much other uh, variability and, and other skills that like you said it's all kind of all those movement disciplines draw on the same principles of movement and when you learn something else you can go oh that applies here and yeah. that where that's where that sort of creative element comes in so interestingly i think a lot of um that that thing of like you got to do this a bunch or, or like the 10,000 hours rule um that applies really well to systems to systems mm. um that like stuff like chess yeah yeah or music like it's a system that you need to understand and you need to learn it back to front but when it comes to dealing with more open-ended um things (laughs) so so movement for example it's like mastering judo as as a random example i've just pulled out my head isn't going to be detrimental to your acrobatic practice. In fact, it's probably going to make you better at receiving the floor. You yeah. know, it's that thing like they, they feed each other. And actually, yeah. there's a bunch of research that's coming out that's showing that generalists tend to do better and become better specialists mm-hmm. than people who specialized from early on. So there's a bunch of people who did lots of different sports and then eventually settled on the one they love Mm. and became amazing at that because they could pull on all of these different ways of moving that they dabbled in and they may not have been amazing at the other ones but because they have this broad base of movement it allows them to tap into all of these different ways of moving when it comes to the specialism that they want and I really feel like I've been lucky that I've kind of had these chunks in my life of being like, yeah, I'm super into parkour. Yeah, I'm super into juggling. I got really into unicycle for a while. I got really into acrobatics. I got really into Chinese pole. Um, 
I got really into head balancing. Like all of these different things have kind of fed in and given me more information. And like now I take systems of creativity that I used in Diablo and use them to teach students in acrobatics. And it's like all of these things feed into each other. And I feel like being a generalist has made me a better mover overall as opposed to being like, I just did acrobatics my entire life. It's like, and acrobatics is interesting because like you can be like, I'm an acrobat and that means that you stand on top of other people or you can be like, I'm an acrobat and you can be the person that is being stood on by mm. multiple other people or you can just throw other people or you can just manage your own weight and tumble or you can be someone that's really good at handstands. All of those people are acrobats. Like acrobatics is huge. But actually, to be a generalist acrobat, you need to be really good at about five different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think there's a book that I listened to on Audible called Range by David Epstein. And yeah. he, he uses, he talks, well, that's like the whole concept of that book is yeah. um, there's this push lately because everyone wants their kid to be a, a you know, a sports star. They're like, you know, just put him in um, soccer or, or whatever, rugby. Um, and if they just play rugby, they'll be the best. But it turns out, like, he uses the example of Wayne Gretzky, I think, who was, like, the really good ice hockey player, and he'd played, like, all these different sports, and then, like you said, eventually ended up specialising and became yeah. the best in the world. And it's, I think, from what I've gathered from it and from the other books that I've read, is that ability to play with movement and to explore it with an open mind and not to be pigeonholed or to be this thought of like this is how ice hockey is played yeah and so i'm gonna play it like this and i'm gonna get really good at playing it like this because this is ice hockey then you've played all these different sports and even if it's conscious or subconscious or whatever you've got this bigger vocabulary of like well like what if i did this like like i did in soccer applies here it's like yeah and then suddenly it works and that's when you know it's the ronaldinho's of the world and you know the people who've just played and go real unconventional and then people people don't know what to do and then they're yeah. like whoa okay what just happened this guy just like tore through this whole team uh, or messi or you know those kinds of people who have this unconventional style that just is super successful and because it's unconventional yeah yeah um so i, I really like that concept yeah um so Movement culture in general, sort of, you know, a lot of the things we've been talking about um, have, like, when when Edo Portal came, like, sort of got big on the internet, that was, I don't know how long ago, but I was in uni, I remember, um, and he sort of, a lot of the things we've, we're talking about today, um, there was, like, a few videos of him talking about those kinds of things. Have you worked with Edo... Um, at all no um so i've kind of come across a bunch of his teaching and i know a lot of people who have worked with him um and i think that kind of comes with the territory of the yeah. the, the place that i kind of inhabit within mm -hmm. the movement space um but no he's not someone that i have ever worked with I, like i follow him on instagram and i kind of see bits of what he's putting out there um and i think he's got a lot of really interesting things to say um, but equally, I have had students approach me who come to me and are like, you don't keep talking about Edo Portal and that's a plus and I'd really love to work with you to see a different approach Yeah, because I think a lot of Edo has inspired a huge amount of the movement community and a lot of people have kind of started with him and then gone on to 
teach or um, whatever it may be, open a gym. Um, and I think some people it works super well for and they love it. And then other people, they're like, oh, I'm not sure about this and I want something different. Mm. Um, so I was quite surprised when someone said that to me, but it was also like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because I always was sort of like, oh, yeah, Ido seems like awesome and everything. And I've never worked with him, so I, like, I don't know it personally. But from what I've heard, there's an element of like he... Uh, I don't know what I don't know what the the right word is, but an element of like he talks a lot about like generalizing a lot, but it's a lot. It's still quite strict of like you need to be able to do this, and you need to be able to do this, you need to be able to do this. Um, I don't really know what I'm trying to say there, but it's <laughs> like um, I guess the movement culture in general. I guess he's just drawn. He's drawn in a similar thing, I suppose. Is just drawn on all of those different disciplines and and brought it together in his own thing but i guess uh, maybe it's more of like that guru guru concept i suppose that can tend to occur in those types of scenes i suppose where it's like what he says is gold and and if he says something else is bad then i'm not not even going to explore that and yeah i think i think he um he kind of did for movement culture what Cirque du Soleil did for circus in that Mm. they he he popularized it and made it accessible to lots of people who didn't necessarily know about it otherwise and i think that's a really amazing thing and to have those kind of um figureheads or like trailblazers who are are putting it out there um is really valuable because what it does it brings attention to a thing Mm. Um, and I think have, having people know what circus is, like when you're in the circus community and every time you mention circus, someone's like, oh, do you work for Cirque du Soleil? There's a point where you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, they know who Cirque du Soleil is yeah. and they have an idea what contemporary circus is and they're not expecting you to ride in on an elephant. Yeah. So it's like yeah, it right. provides context. Yeah. So the same way that you can now be like, yeah, I'm super into movement and I'm, I'm i practice movement and people go oh what kind of like ido portal you're like kind of kind of <laughs> like like but it's a lot closer than being like no i'm not an olympic weightlifter yeah or and, someone going what do you mean you practice movement like yeah the, at least it's yeah, on their yeah. radar like there's there's context yeah. and i think it's much easier to hone someone's understanding when there's context than when it's just this brand new idea yeah yeah um so i think that's really valuable I think what I was actually more trying to get at before is that maybe people would see some Edo Portal videos, for example, and, and he's preaching movement culture, which is really cool, like you said, putting it on people's radar and, and um, you know, opening up perspectives. But because of this, like, I guess extreme, like he's extremely talented and can move extremely well, people might also see that and be like, well, I could never do that, so why would I get in, involved with that? Whereas, yeah, like you said, it makes putting it into a, a bit more of an accessible way and just going, you don't have to move. You don't even have to handstand. You don't have to yeah. flip. You don't have to like his, I think like the videos I'm thinking of is like the upper body basics. And the he's got some videos online where he's just doing some incredible feats of upper body strength and gymnastics, but you know, he's referring to them as basics Yeah, and it's like, well, it's not that basic. <laughs> like I think basic is a really dangerous word. Um, and it's a really ambiguous word. Yeah, I think it's come yeah. to mean a lot of different things um, because for some people, 
what is basic is not basic for others yeah. and sometimes people mean fundamental yeah as a basic so it's like if something is fundamental as a skill in order to learn a next skill like then that that kind of makes sense is like this is a basic and if you can't do the basic we're not going to progress to the next yeah. thing but then for other people people are like this is something that I now deem basic because I'm working on something that's four steps above it. Yeah. But for the average person, it's not a basic. Yeah. And I think it, exactly as you said, it can be really off-putting to have mm. someone be like, this is a basic because it's really demeaning. You're like, no, what? That's like the roof for me. And you're telling me that I'm below basic. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess, yeah, that's what I was getting at in that, you know, if someone sees Ido doing a front lever and saying that's basic, then they might not even explore just hanging, which is really good for their shoulders, really good for their um, grip strength and, and all of these things. And Whereas I guess that's where the sort of more move nat or parkour or that kind of thing, or even just, just people knowing that, although mind you, Ido did put a big thing about hanging. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to have a crack at Ido or anything, yeah. um, but it's just people being aware that there is there are levels to everything yeah and you know if you see someone doing something incredible um you know either you know you can be inspired by it and that's awesome and you may never get there or you may work work and work and work and you can get there but the main thing is that you're moving in lots of different ways and exploring your body's movement because there's there's so much fun that you can be had even just mastering or even just working on the fundamentals, like the, yeah. the basics, like squatting, hanging, walking, running, like there's so much value you can find from that sort of more, yeah, more quote unquote basic movement. Yeah. And it's, and that's really interesting again, because there's a bunch of people for whom squatting just seems impossible. Yeah. Yes, um, exactly. Like I was doing something, I was at my parents' house, um, a few years ago now, they're in the UK and covid has meant that we've not oh, seen each other for yeah, a while geez. um but i was there and my dad was like saw me in a squat and was like wow i've just never been able to do that mm. so it's that thing of like again what is basic and and i think there's also that interesting idea of what should be basic um because i think some people are trying to pull people up by being like, this is a basic, like you should be able to front lever, you should be that strong because that's what you need to have freedom of movement, Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> um, but I think um, what, yeah, this is this again, coming back to the thing, like ba basic is a, is a tricky term. Um I was going to bring this around to the point you were just coming to and it's totally left my brain. Um, accessibility, like... Um... Yeah, accessibility. So the thing with movement is like there is a place to start for everyone wherever yeah. they are on the spectrum. Like everything is scalable and you can start somewhere and actually it's that funny thing of you look at something you're like, that's just so impossible. But then if you start in the right place and you have the right steps, it's like if you're stood in front of a cliff face, you're like, wow, there's no way. But then if someone just leads you around the corner to a set of stairs, it's like, just take the first step mm. and then mm. take another one and take, and take a rest wherever you need to. But yeah. like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, but all the while you just stood in front of a cliff you're never going to get there. Yeah. So I think the key is to be like, no, look, there is a starting place for you 
and you can walk as high as you like to up these stairs, but you don't have to get to the top. Yeah. And there is a place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, I guess that's what I try to get across in my workshops and stuff is like, you don't have, like I, I show certain levels of progression that I'm up to throughout the workshops and seminars um, and show, I suppose, what's possible with a bit of practice. Like I haven't spent my entire life, you know, delving into movement and I'm not an expert. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm very decent at most things and not very good at any of them. Um, but to be a sort of relatively strong, functional, mobile human, you don't actually have to go that far. You can just get, you know, a nice deep, squat which again that might not be that easy for some people but at least stressing what really is fundamental to human physiology um and then yeah showing the steps on how to get there and um like you said there anyone can start at the first step and that's something that you do here in Launceston is train people because I'm I'm aware of time so it's sort of time to wrap up and um just sort of tell people about where you are, what you're doing, yeah. um, and where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a movement coach, which is suitably vague. Um, <laughs> is is interesting because I my background, as as you've heard, is is acrobatics. But more and more, I've I've I find that acrobatics is intimidating as a word. Mm. And some people come to me and they're like, "Oh, I really love the way you move." but I don't necessarily want to do the acrobatics thing. I want to do the rolling on the floor thing, or I would like to get stronger or I'd like to get more flexible or, and people come to me with, with different desires. Um, and we work on that because I think in order to do acrobatics, you need to be able to work on your strength or work on your flexibility or just work on crawling or rolling or moving softly. A huge focus of mine is, moving in a way that doesn't hurt your body so accessing acrobatics things that can appear quite intense or scary in a way that is soft and accessible um because i spent 10 years doing like hardcore performance that i'd get home at the end of the night i'd be in pain i'd wake up I'd be hurting, I'd have to go back to the theatre, I'd have to do it again, and I'm just like not interested in that level of sacrifice for the acrobatics, but I still love acrobatics. So I've really dived into how do you make it something that you can do when you're 60? How do you find the longevity in it? How do you care for your body whilst doing exciting things with your body? And part of that is care, part of that is preparation, part of that is technique. Um, and they're also all things that I work on with people. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do most of my teaching online at the moment because of COVID. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of, um, zoom one-to-one classes. Yeah. Um, and then I'm hoping to get some more in-person classes happening here in Launceston. Um, I'm about to go away and do some teaching, uh, elsewhere in Australia. Oh yeah. I'm doing the national training project at the fruit flies oh, in Aubrey. okay cool um so that should be really fun um but i kind of didn't want to get something starting started and then disappear for three yeah. weeks and then come back and have lost that momentum so hopefully after that i'm gonna find a space and get a more regular class yeah sweet running yeah well i mean even just from the taste i had out there on the lawn i'd highly recommend getting in touch with connor if you're around and into that kind of thing and like you said 
and like we've been saying the whole time is it can seem a bit like even if people watch the stuff on your Instagram they'd be like whoa that's really cool but I could never do that Um, but there really is like we just broke down a couple of movements down there um, and like quite quick progress in a matter of 10-20 minutes and as long as you've got someone who can go I, I just find the coaching aspect as with any time I've been coached whether it's been weightlifting or hand balancing or anything it just makes such a difference and you can that's really how you climb those steps much more efficiently without going step up step back down step up step back down which does get pretty frustrating and then you are just looking up at the cliff stepping up and stepping back down (laughs) um so yeah and and soft acrobatics is definitely something i'm interested in exploring a lot more so i'll I'll definitely be in touch and be uh um getting on some of your videos and and everything so um i do have to let you go because you do have to go and teach now i believe that is true so we'll um there's a there was a bunch of other things that i would have liked to touch on but I'm sure I'll be back in Tassie. I do really like it down here. I like Great. a little the cold for a visit. Um, so I'm sure I'll be back and hopefully we can do a, a follow-up and another movement session. Perfect. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for mate. having me. Too easy. Thanks, guys. Thanks.